Welcome to Radio Liferay episode 56, a conversation with Jorge Ferrer. Jorge is Liferay's VP of Engineering, and in this position he has a lot to share about the pending release of Liferay 7. In fact, it's such a wealth of information that we ran out of time recording this episode and will continue in a later one. Part 2 will soon be out and released as episode 58. If you've paid attention, then there's something missing. Right, episode 57 will be squeezed in. That's a conversation with Jim and Cody from LifeRay's documentation team about, well, documentation, Javadoc and related topics. Cody has recently opened the Javadoc contest that we've spoken about while recording the episode. That's why I want it out as quickly as possible. Please follow the link in the show notes for this episode to Cody's blog, where he's announcing the Javadoc contest and all the rules, and then participate. But for now, let's dive into the conversation with Jorge. Today with me, after almost two and a half years, is Jorge Ferrer, the guy where I'm always stumbling across uh, that name pronunciation. Jorge, um, welcome. Thank you, Olaf. I'm very glad to be here. It's already been more than two years. You need to call me more often. <laughs> <laughs> it was June 2013, but it was actually almost the same time. I would say career-wise, not a lot has changed uh, because you are still LifeRay's VP of Engineering. That's right. So um, you got stuck somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, This, it's the same time because uh, when we last spoke in June 2013, we spoke about the upcoming release of LifeRay 6.2. And right now we are in the beta cycle for LifeRay 7. Mm -hmm. And uh, amazing, amazing things have happened. We even started talking about some of the central features of LifeRay 7 two and a half years ago because uh, you could already see that something is coming architecture-wise. And the keyword there is OSGI. Mm -hmm. But let's start with um, the easier stuff, not quite the architectural exam that I still want to do with you. I want to see how much of the technology you actually understand. <laughs> uh, throwing you a hardball there. Uh, let's start with what changed in the last two and a half years. We still have a quite worldwide team and a quite distributed team. And uh, I'm always curious, like, what's what's it about? Like, how can you uh, easily work with such a diverse team in terms of culture, in terms of time zones, in terms of uh, knowledge? And, uh, well, of course, in terms of size, how did it grow in the last two and a half years? Now, I'll stop talking and let you take mm -hmm. the lead. Okay. Yeah, so as you say, our, our engineering team is is very distributed. It's grown a lot over the years. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to say exactly how many people we are, but, but we passed the 150 people mark some time ago. Um, and yeah, there are people everywhere in all time zones, I think. They're from LA to Spain and other parts of Europe to China. Uh, we've also had contributions from, from even offices where there are no formal engineering, but our consultants or support people or training people have been sending contributions. So yeah, it's a very distributed team, very multicultural, which I think it's one of the great things that we all enjoy. And, and it's at the same time, very challenging, uh, but 
probably not as challenging as, as you could imagine. And a, a big part of it is that most of the people that come join LifeRay are very passionate about it. They are very passionate about LifeRay's culture and ethics. Or they are very passionate uh, often about open source. So we've never had an issue with uh, having to control someone. Uh, we have a lot of people working from home, um, but that's never, ever been an issue. Uh, so our, our main challenges uh, right now are, are mostly related to communication, which I guess they are the, I mean, that's the most typical problem in an organization as it grows. Uh, and yeah, we, we obviously also have uh, communication challenges that we keep improving on. Uh, in the past, we, we, as a team grew, we also found some challenges on better defining areas of responsibility and especially being so distributed um, when some developers ended up working on some area of the product that some other developers were also working on or or that they had certain knowledge in their minds I had not shared, and then there were some conflicts. But uh, over the last two years, actually, we've, we've improved a lot on that. Uh, we now work in, uh, or we have now divided engineering in cross-functional teams, and these cross-functional teams include people from development, from, from QA, uh, from the technical uh, writers team, the knowledge management team, uh, from UX, uh, from product management, obviously. And each team has uh, a clearly delineated area of responsibility. Well, to be completely honest, most teams do. Uh, and sometimes it's a work in progress. There are various degrees of, of uh, definition. Uh, and yeah, that, that has been a huge change. It's made it much easier to work in with such a large and distributed team nowadays. I think communications is like the one thing that is the problem in many, many, many organizations. So mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be very LifeRay specific. However, um, I think we are like as LifeRay, as the, the, um, how do you say, as the creator of some tools that uh, are actually built for uh, communication, we mm -hmm. must be in a quite good position to coordinate with intercontinental teams, right? Yeah, we actually use LiveRay quite a lot. Uh, for example, we, we have an internal installation of social office that we use as an intranet. It's not only for engineer, but for the whole company. And we use the wiki a lot to, to keep information up to date. We use um, documents and media, maybe not so much. We use the forums a lot uh, to communicate with the teams. Each team has their own forum category, and that's the formal way for all other departments to contact that team. Um, we even use it for uh, support escalations, and that's uh, mostly working very well. And then in addition to that, we also have our internal tool called, called Loop, which, um, yeah, it's a, a new concept of, of an intranet focused on encouraging communication, and it's also been built on top of LifeRay. And apart from library specific tools, we also use um, some other third-party tools. We, as it's well known, we use Jira. Every single task that it's done in engineering, it's it's handled as a Jira ticket. And recently, we've we've introduced some chat tools. Uh, we started using Sulip, which is still being used for for some cases, but uh, for the in, in uh, communication inside the teams. Uh, we've moved to using Slack, uh, yeah, which 
it's working out so well. What the challenges we've usually found with with chat tools is that when there is too many people, and, and then there the variety of topics that people are talking about is wide. Then what you see there is that uh, people start checking uh, the chat tool less often, and when you check it less often, it starts looking more like a forum than an actual chat. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the things, one of the challenges we're trying to to improve on. But having a a, a real time communication tool, in addition to other tools such as Wiki or forums, has actually been very useful for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a hardball question uh, to say: If there's so much internal communication going on, is there a way for anybody in the community to get into this discussion as well? Or is it an option? Wouldn't it be a good idea to um, put something more into the open? Yeah, that's that's a very good question, actually. And we've had in the past IRC channels. Uh, I've never been a chat guy, uh, at least not until very recently, when we introduced Sulip and, and Slack. Uh, so I, I didn't participate a lot. Uh, but I'm, I'm not even sure if it's if it's still going. I'm, I'm guessing not because I haven't heard on it for a, for a long time. But I think that would be uh, something very interesting if we could actually either in IRC or, or in Slack um, create a channel where anyone in the community could, could join. Uh, one of the challenges that we've probably had related to this uh, is how the product has been growing more and more and more. And that's meant the team has also grown a lot. So previously, I remember in when I when I joined LifeRay, probably there was five to 10 LifeRay developers. So probably all developers most about everything, right? And mm-hmm. that made it, made it much easier to, you know, participate in, in something like, like an IRC channel and be able to answer any questions. But as the product has grown, the team has grown, it's become harder. And, and that applies not only to this type of communication, but also for how to handle contributions or how to handle feedback. And I, I think the direction in which uh, we should be going, and we've already started for our own needs, but it will also benefit the community as a whole, is uh, to clearly delineate the different parts of the product or even the different subproducts that have been growing a lot lately and then probably have different channels for for each of them, right? Uh, in the community expedition, for example, I'm, that's something that we've tried for the first time, and I think it's worked out very well. Definitely, uh, you know, very promising for, for similar situations in the future. And basically what we've done in the community expedition um, is we've created, uh, we've used the forums to receive feedback, But instead of doing what we've done in previous years, which is all that feedback, uh, send it directly to a a small group of people who were processing it and then forwarding it to specific people that they knew it was interesting for, we've created categories for each of the internal teams that we have at LifeRay. And then we've had one or two people within those teams, and, and that was a rotating role, that were always listening to the forums. So what was great about it is that anyone giving feedback was actually um, being able to talk to the specific developers who were working on whatever they were giving feedback. Well, when I say developers, 
it's actually a generalization. It could have been developers or QA engineers or even product managers. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been a, a very great experience and, and it scales so much better, right? So um, I think it will allow us to do more and more of that. Okay. I'm keeping an eye on that. And hold your feet to... No. How do you say that? Well... <laughs> I'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll just stick with that. Speaking of forums, uh, well, congratulations for still being one of the, uh, one of the top contributors on Life Race forums. Uh, even though some nasty German guy has just recently surpassed you, uh, oh, no. pushed you down from, uh, like contributor number three to be number four now. Okay. I'll have to do something about that then. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, let's uh, touch base on some of the chapters or uh, topics that we used or, or that we spoke about in 2013. Uh, and you already talked a bit about that, and that was the contributions, uh, the patches from the community. Uh, I would like to give everybody an update Just assuming you have a patch, assuming you have a new uh, feature in LifeRay that you might want to have in LifeRay, what's the steps to actually get something um, uh, get something accepted or into LifeRay? Okay, so actually, before answering that question, uh, one thing I would like to say is that when when people think about uh, other people contributing to open source projects. The first thing that comes to mind is what you just said. How do I contribute a patch? How do I contribute code? And that's definitely an, an awesome way of contributing to an open source project. But I, I like to highlight that it's not the only way. That there are many other ways. That there are many more people in the library community other than, than developers uh, that are either already contributing, and that shows that it can be done if you're not a developer, or not contributing because they think they, they cannot contribute, right? And there are many, many ways uh, in which you can contribute. And actually, uh, I was working with, with James Faulkner earlier, earlier this year with the Library Developer uh, Network team on, on a new page uh, that I think has worked out very well. It's in dev.library.com slash participate. Mm -hmm. And it shows all the different ways of participating. Uh, depending on your knowledge or your experience with LifeRay, depending on whether you have a lot of time or you just have a few minutes here and there, there are there are many things that, that you can do uh, depending on, on, on that, right? So, uh, for example, if, if you're new to LifeRay, one way of contributing is just go to our events and talk to us or to other community members or go to the documentation. All of our documentation uh, is now in the LifeRay Developer Network and it has some very easy to use feedback characteristics. So you, as you're reading a page, you can provide feedback about that page that is extremely useful for us. You can just go to the forums and read questions and eventually you'll, you'll find uh, one that you can answer, right? And as you get more um, knowledgeable about LifeRay, uh, even if you don't have a lot of time, which, you know, that's what happens to all of us, right? You can still answer a forum question here and there. You can make a suggestion, which is uh, also a very useful way of contributing. You can translate uh, life rate to your, to your language. You know, you just can take a few minutes to translate 10 messages. Those are all suggestions that um, are explained in detail with step-by-step 
um, uh, descriptions in in this page in the developer network. Yeah, so anyone hearing us, if you've never contributed to Library, there is no excuse. Uh, <laughs> you can just spend the next twenty minutes after listening to this, or as soon as you get home, if you are listening to this in your car, as I usually do. And yeah, it feels really great to to contribute and know that the product is uh, is part of you. Uh, but I didn't want to go without answering your question. I didn't want you to think that <laughs> that I'm just not trying to not answer. Um, well, the, the page is actually quite good. I'm uh, looking at it now, devlifery.com slash participate. So yeah. That is uh, quite good information for uh, currently nine different cases. Um, I would say that's already a good um already a good resource but i don't want to keep you from answering i just wanted to uh, yeah. put this in again dev life Raycom. yeah so actually one of those nine it's how to contribute a patch and um it has a step-by-step -step, uh description of how to do it but i would summarize it as, as three things that you have to do the first one which is often forgotten is you need to start with a conversation right mm -hmm. uh That conversation sometimes can start with the code, as long as you are aware that it's still a conversation. And when I say a conversation, what I mean is it can start with the code or it can start just with an idea saying, hey, I would like to uh, improve this or I found this issue, this, this bug. And you may have reported it in Jira, which eventually you'll have to do or someone will have to do or not. But basically, you're talking about a, an improvement of any time that you want to do to LifeRay. And... That's very important so that you can double check whether that's of interest to anyone else and it's not just you. Unfortunately, in our forums, there is a lot of activities, so uh, it's pretty easy to get answers if you post something like that. Maybe from uh, core developers uh, working on, on the product you, you are talking about or, or other community members. So that proves that there is interest in whatever you want to contribute, right? Whether it's a bug fix or a new feature. Uh, the second step, the second step is actually probably the, the harder step, the, the barrier that we have and we want to improve on, and that is that you need to identify a core developer. And you need to identify a core developer because the way we work with Git and GitHub is you need to send a pull request to a core developer to start reviewing your code and uh, having a conversation with you. Uh, if you've done the conversation, there are chances that uh, maybe a core developer has already been part of that conversation. Um, by the way, uh, I mentioned the case of you starting the conversation, but you can also join a conversation of someone saying, hey, I would love if this was done. Mm -hmm. You can go to the ideas page in the developer network and pick an idea from someone that has been voted. Uh, in there, there is already a conversation. And as part of that conversation, um, sometimes you have already identified or even discussed with a core developer, and then that would be the person to send a pull request to, and that makes everything much easier. If not, then you have to find someone, uh, probably yes, because you know them from the forums, from the blog entries, uh, et cetera, right? Uh, but that's still the part that we know it's a little bit of a barrier. So we're actually uh, moving in the direction of not requiring this in the future. Uh, we have plans. Uh, this is a little bit of inside information, but I think there is nothing wrong with making it public, but we have plans to actually split our big repo for library portal into smaller repos. And as part of that move, maybe not at the beginning, but eventually we want to follow a, a different process for using GitHub, which allows to send pull requests to the, to the master repo 
and there will be someone listening, uh, someone appropriate listening to pick that pull request. So that it's not mandatory, it's still possible, but it's not mandatory to identify a specific developer to send the pull to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so that, that, will, that will be a change to today because I see there are quite a lot of um, or quite a number of pull requests open uh, towards the, the library uh, repository, right? Yeah, and for some time we've had people look at that and try to, you know, guide those people. But over time, you know, it's, it's a really tedious task that eventually we end up skipping whoever was doing it gets mm -hmm. tired of it and nobody picks it up. Yep. So uh, that's definitely something that it's, it's not good on our side and we need to, to get better at. And, and then once uh, you've identified a, a someone to send a pull request to, uh, then you just need to change your code. And what I think is very, very important, and this is something that anyone who has contributed to open source already knows, but most people have not. Right. Uh, and that is whenever you send a pull request, you need to be open for suggestions, for requests, for changes. Uh, we developers in general, you know, think our code is very good. And sometimes we have a hard time when we send a, a pull request and, and we are asked for changes because it feels it's not perfect. And I think it's good to keep an open mind. And it's not a matter of whether it's perfect or not, but rather than to, to keep As a product as large as LifeRay in very good shape as, as much as possible. We need to keep very strict standards on how we do things, on how we like code formatting or the, on the design patterns that we use. Uh, for example, that's, that's a common one. Uh, there are many design patterns out there, right? And you cannot use them all. So we try to be very consistent on the ones we use and only introduce new patterns that uh, if it's really justified. So sometimes you may have a choice between two patterns and mm -hmm. um, maybe one of them is slightly better for that specific case, but it's not used anywhere in LifeRay. So it's always better to pick the one that it's most used in LifeRay uh, because uh, consistency um, is, is very important for us. And we follow this principle that, you know, optimizing the parts is often the opposite of optimizing the system. So keeping consistency is our way of optimizing the system. So that's, that's something that is important. But as long as you have an open mind, you, you are aware that, you know, when you make a contribution and uh, if you're open to receiving suggestions, it's actually a great learning experience. I, I did a lot of that uh, long before I, I joined LifeRay and it was a great learning experience for me. You are triggering so many historic and ancient uh, memories in me. Uh, you <laughs> won't believe it. <laughs> so I'll share one of them. Uh, the original design patterns book uh, was released, I think, in 1994. Uh -huh. And around that time, uh, design patterns actually became the rage and were almost as hip as uh, cloud was a year ago or microservices are now, um, uh, stuff like that. So everything was design patterns. And there's a report that one of the, I can't remember who it was, one of the authors, uh, it was the Gang of Four, so there were four yeah. authors, uh, was approached at a conference by somebody being really proud and happy to see him. And, uh, and he was like, oh, you won't believe uh, in my project, we have used all but one of your design <laughs> patterns. And he was really proud of that. And he absolutely could not understand uh, the answer, which was a strict facepalm. 
Okay, yeah. so that that was the story that you triggered or the memory that you triggered. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, speaking about uh, these uh, things and design patterns and so on, we changed or uh, is this what you wanted to say um, to this or is there anything else? Yeah, I think it's, it's just that uh, remember to start a conversation, remember to try to identify a core developer. The more you've been around, uh, the easier it is. Otherwise, it, it's a little bit harder and, and it's something we need to improve on. And, and three, send a pull request, uh, be open. Mm -hmm. But again, remember, uh, contributing code is not, not the only way, probably not even the best way to start. And go to dev.livery.com slash participate to get a lot of ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you like, uh, listen to the old episode, uh, that's episode 27, where I am talking about one of my uh, experiences uh, submitting some code, um, just sneak preview or, or uh, just short summary. It ended up as something completely different. So it was severely rewritten. It was just a very small patch, but uh, now all of the variables, uh, all of the attributes are uh, named differently, are somewhat formatted differently, but the code is in. <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, that's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, question to you: When was or uh, what was the path that your last pull request took? Are you still contributing code, or can you remember which one it was? Yeah, I'm still contributing code from time to time. Uh, probably a smaller percentage of my time that it was in our last interview. But yeah, my last pull request was yesterday. Uh, so that's easy. And in my case, it was a pull request to, <clears throat> to Brian Chan. And it's already in, in master. So uh, it's a very easy path. In general, uh, nowadays, we try to... Uh, have several rounds of reviews. So mm -hmm. usually within each cross-functional team, uh, we make sure that each person has uh, always sends a pull request uh, to a, another teammate, and that serves several purposes. One is that other teammate may know more than you, and that means he, he will be able to review what you've done, or he may know less than you. But this is also a good opportunity for that person to learn about what you've done And also by looking at it from a different pair of eyes, I mean, from a different perspective, uh, uh, usually catches bags that you may have not, right? Uh, so it's both a, a way of improving quality and distributing knowledge within, mm -hmm. within that team. Mm -hmm. uh, and then usually there is a central reviewer. Uh, for example, for big parts of, of Portal Core, it's, it's still Brian Chan, uh, but that's being distributed uh, more and more in different, par in different products or parts of the product. Mm -hmm. So when you are still contributing code and are still in contact with the code, uh, even though you technically are a manager, um, you had to go through the same steps that I will have to go through uh, completely with the next release. Um, that is relearn everything because Lifeway has just been turned inside out and um, now is built on a completely different architecture, OSGI everywhere. Uh, everything is in modules. Uh, nothing is where you expect it to be when you know the <laughs> 6.2-code. And um, all of the trusty old habits will need to be rev revised. So what was your experience doing that? 
Yeah, so actually it was a, a very good experience. I mean, there has been challenges, challenges and bumps on the road, but it's been a very, very good experience and we are very, very proud of the result. And to be honest, I, I, uh, I wouldn't say you have to relearn everything. It's obviously very interesting stuff to be, to be learned, but I would say probably 90% or even more of whatever anyone knows about Life Ray 6.2 or before is very useful for Life Ray 7. Uh, even the architecture, which has changed uh, quite a bit, as you said, uh, by uh, you know embracing modularity, it, it is still um, has a lot of, of the good things of our, our existing architecture. So if you go back to uh, my architecture, my sessions or architecture in previous DevCons uh, and symposiums or, or my blog entries about the topic, uh, almost everything that I say there is still true. Uh, it's just, it's not the only truth. Now there is another part of architecture that uh, that is relevant, and that is uh, all the work we've done on modularity. So previously, library was a big monolithic piece, and there were some plugins, right? But the problem with plugins is that they were uh, quite limited. So for example, it, it was not so easy to to use one plugin from another plugin. There were some very limited uh, ways of doing that, such as uh, services, if you were doing service builder. Um, but it was very, very limited. And it was, uh, there, were no, uh, there was no powerful dependency system. So if one plugin depended on another one and the other one went down, weird things would happen, uh, which is fine in some scenarios. But for us, it really stopped us from extracting more and more logic to plugins as, as we uh, at some point wanted to. So with this new architecture, uh, based on OSEI, we've really found uh, a technology that fits our needs. It's made library much more extensible than ever before. But uh, going back to what you said of relearning, the way of, of extending library is one of the things that uh, you will have to relearn. Uh, although we've also tried to make sure that all mechanisms uh, still work and are automatically converted uh, for you. For example, I'm thinking of hooks. Uh, you can still use hooks to uh, overwrite JSPs, although there are much better ways of doing that nowadays. But we don't overwrite JSPs physically anymore like we used to. We just uh, find a more elegant way of using your the JSP you've provided instead of the one that comes out of with Liferay. Um, the way of contributing classes, it used to be you create a class and you write the name of the class in a properties file. Um, now it's much, much clearer, cleaner, and it's standards-based, and you create your class, and then you just annotate with, with a standard annotation. And, and it's just that exact same mechanism everywhere. Uh, so it's really, really clean. And actually, um, I recently received feedback from um, a developer from the community. Uh, he had come through to one of our events, and he was very excited about, about OSDI. He had been... Um, uh, doing and maintaining a plugin for Liferay that was very successful in a specific industry that he was working on. And he wanted to, to migrate it to, to Liferay 7. And the feedback he, he gave to us is that he definitely had to learn quite a few things to really leverage all the potential, but that once he did, he found it much easier than in the past, because in the past he had had to learn a lot of library specific things. Mm -hmm. And even with new extension points, he always had to double check that it worked the same way. 
While now, it's a standard space, it's very well documented because it's not only documented by LifeRay, but it's documented by the whole OSEI community. And once you learn one, you know, everything works the same. And yeah, that's, that's really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to relearn what I, uh, what I have learned so far and uh, to hopefully have the same experience. Okay, I would invite anyone to, to go to the developer network We've already started publishing information there and go there, send us your feedback, say, hey, this is not clear enough. Or I, I used to be, uh, I used to do things this way and I don't find anywhere in here how to do it the new way. That's very, very valuable information for us to prioritize all the documentation we're going to put in there. Speaking of developer network, this is something we had on our list as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's speak about that because uh, there are things going on that are even new to me, but you know more about that. Yeah. So uh, the developer network for, for those, those that don't know about it yet uh, started as the home for our official documentation. We wanted our official documentation to be more interactive and more searchable. And that's how it all started. Uh, then uh, we started doing more and more community stuff in there. Uh, so that's, uh, it's grown a lot on that area, but because it started with the documentation, it was very centered, uh, around our main project, which is life report that, and, and that is great. But then what we've noticed, uh, is that during the years we are creating more and more projects. Some of them are very closely related to, to life rate, such as for example, life rate phases, uh, or, or audience targeting. Some of them are, are quite related, but maybe not so much, such as life ray screens. Uh, but some are even less related and are being used outside of, of life ray, like Alloy UI used to be, or now Alloy Editor, which is starting to be used by more and more uh, content management systems out there, or Lexicon, or Launchpad, which was presented at DEF CON. But not only that, uh, because we have such passionate developers at life ray, they're also creating uh, pet projects within life ray that are also very, very familiar, uh, sorry, very successful. Uh, but sometimes people are working in, in the other parts of the library community that know about it. I'm talking about projects like browserdiet.com or clipboardjs.com, uh, that it's, uh, both of these, uh, led by Sino Rocha, both very successful. Uh, there are quite a few more. Um, so we are redesigning the developer network Uh, to be inclusive of all of our projects, making it easier for uh, our community to know about them, to participate in them, um, to you know distribute them, talk about them, right? Because sometimes uh, what we found out is with our developer network, when people from uh, that, that were interested in whatever library or tool we were publishing. But when they came, they saw Life Reportal. Oh, what is this? I, I'm not interested in this. And they, they went away, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we don't want that. We definitely think Life Reportal uh, as a project is our main project where we started. We have many more projects that are useful for, for, with Life Reportal and outside. And we want to leverage that and, and make that easier. So that's the goal. It's something we're starting to, to design now, but it will, we will put uh, our focus on it after Life 7 is out. Mm -hmm. that's uh, like all of these 
projects uh, and things uh, make me just want to tease you and check your street credibility. <laughs> Because you, you talked about browser diet, clipboard, uh, and the various other projects. And, uh, you know, I'm a back-end developer, and what the front-end guys do uh, freaks me out a bit. <laughs> so in order to create one theme, I need to install a whole zoo of tools that all of the front-end guys like, and I have no clue what they are. Uh, I have a list of projects here, and I would like to would like you to tell me if they are legit things that we are using. Maybe okay. if maybe if so, uh, what we are using them for, or um, if this is uh, just made up. Okay. Okay. I'll do my best. Let's try. Gulp. <laughs> Sorry, Gulp. Gulp. Yeah, Gulp is is probably the most popular uh, build system nowadays in the JavaScript world, and we are using it for our new version of the Themes SDK. We are actually supporting now two ways of building themes. One is uh, the traditional way, which is um, a good way for Java-oriented developers, but not so good for front-end developers. So for front-end developers, we have a new SDK, which uses Geoman for the initial scaffolding, and then it uses Gulp afterwards. Okay, Blubber. Blubber, I have no idea what that is. Okay, I made that up. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, JPM. JPM. Uh, well, JPM is is a Java uh, clone of of NPM, started by Peter Kreis, uh, the same guy that uh, started or one of the originators of OSGI. Uh, as of now, I don't think it's it's achieved a lot of popularity, and I, I don't think we're using it in any significant way. Mm -hmm. CPM. CPM. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Maybe something related, but for some other language. Uh, it was an operating system in the, I don't know, 80s, 90s. Okay, I have no <laughs> idea about it. <laughs> Sanyo. Sanyo. I don't know. Sanyo, isn't that a brand of TVs or something? Correct. Yay. Okay. <laughs> uh, Razor. Razor. Yes. Oh, man. I think this is, uh, I would need to Google that. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, let's try something related. Blade. Blade, yeah. Blade is, is a new tool. Um, it's actually a, a project. Uh, it started as a project by Ray Oje. And the goal, uh, the initial goal for, for Blade is, is the part of the project that we now know as Blade templates. And it basically had the goal of creating uh, project templates for building things on top of LifeRay using... Uh, state-of-the-art standard build tools such as Gradle, uh, Maven, or BND, and BND tools. Um, from there, the project grew into what we now know, know as Blade tools. And Blade tools is a set of tools that um, are the core of some of the most cool features of Library ID 3.0, but that they made it in a way that is reusable, so they can also be reused from the command line. So... Um, Yeah, I, I guess most people will end up using them from the ID and, and doing things such as on the fly as you are modifying a Java class, it's going to uh, send a Java class to the um, uh, or packet set automatically and send 
the difference to the to the library server and reload the, the module where it is, which is kind of like JRebel, but I would even say on asteroids because the deployment mechanism is the exact same mechanism. It's not class loading manipulation. So it achieves the same thing, which is super fast development, uh, as fast as if you were modifying a, a Ruby file on Ruby on Rails or a PHP file on, on PHP, um, but with the full power of, of a modular system like OSGI. So yeah, very, very cool stuff. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, correct answer, I would say. And Razor, by the way, I made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> De depending on when this comes out, it might be uh, like everything, of course, might have totally changed. It might be the yeah, second I, generation I actually, of a new JavaScript it, project. Yeah, it, that's what I was going to say. Uh, it actually sounds familiar. And I uh -huh. see there might be a JavaScript project with that name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of which, uh, which vanilla JS? Uh, I, it also sounds familiar, but I don't know what it is. Okay, it, it's actually my favorite JavaScript framework. Okay. It exists, and I would say we even use it within Liferay. Oh, really? Yeah, you can I look it up. Used to me. You can, <laughs> you can look it up, uh, probably in production mode. LCS. LCS, uh, or Liferay Connected Services, is uh, a very good, a very nice tool, very useful. We use it even for our internal uh, Liferay installations. And it's uh, a cloud-based service, a software as a service that allows uh, to connect to your library installations. And it provides a series of functionalities from uh, basic monitoring that is, uh, that is especially useful for library-specific uh, monitoring stuff. Uh, but it also offers things such as it tells you a little bit about the health of your system. It tells you if, if there are... Um, fixes or new versions that you can install. If you have a subscription, it's even more useful because it can recommend you patches that you can install for different parts. Uh, so, yeah, very, very nice project as well. Clipboard. Uh, Clipboard is is uh, this project started by Sinor Rosa. It's a micro library, micro library uh, for JavaScript that allows you to you know, use copy to clipboard functionality in a browser. Mm-hmm. Senna? Senna is, is also a new project. Um, yeah, its functionality started as part of Allow UI 3, and it allows to automatically convert a web application without modifying its source code into a single-page application. Sino uh, Rosa and, and Eduardo at one point realized that that could be useful uh, before uh, or outside of the library realm, even outside of the UI realm, and they created, they extracted the code and created this micro library called Senna.js that has been very popular as well. And in li Library 7 uses Senna.js to automatically convert uh, any portlet, uh, developed following the portlet specification without any JavaScript, if you don't want, into a single page application, increasing the performance a lot. That sounds suspiciously like a future Radio Library episode. <laughs> okay, and, and let's try one more. Grump. A grump? Yes. Grunt. Okay. A grump. Oh, and and with a P? Yes. Okay, I, I don't know what that is then. Okay, I made that up. Oh, man. <laughs> How about Grunt? Yeah, Grunt is, is another build system for JavaScript. It became very popular until Gulp became the one that is very popular now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we briefly used Grunt. Yeah, we did in Allo UI. Okay. 
Good. Um, so enough for putting you on the spot. I think you have your street credibility. Uh, despite being a manager, uh, you know your stuff. <laughs> um, Thank you, Laf. That's very important for me coming from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With this, uh, we could end up, and I think we should end up on a positive note. Uh, Jorge getting his street credibility um, uh, certified. And we have a lot of topics still to talk about, but time is running out for today, which means we'll postpone the rest. Um, that's actually more than a half of the questions that we still have prepared for some later episode um, until we have scheduled that. Uh, thank you very much for participating and for willing to be put on the spot today. Yeah, thanks a lot to you. And yeah, I hope the, your listeners find it useful. I hope so as well. Um, and you know what? They even can let us know. Yeah. Yeah, this is all on LifeRay.com. <laughs> this is all in the blogs on LifeRay.com. And there is, uh, who would have guessed that, there is a commenting function. There's also Twitter, uh, where you are active, I am active, Radio Life Ray is active. Uh, so enough channels to uh, communicate back. That concludes the current episode. Uh, thank you very much for your participation and talk to you in the continuation of this one very soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Olaf, and thank you, everyone listening. <laughs>